the Crude Audacity Podcast. tuning in you are listening to the crude audacity podcast the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers i am Catherine mills from the nightly news to the daily post it is clear that the oil field is taking a beating but none are taking beatings as hard as colorado being hit not only by the two global black swan events colorado is facing a regulatory battleground that can only be called a rampage joining me today API's finest, Lynn Granger. Welcome to the Crude Audacity podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being brave enough to join today. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Well, I want to jump in. I I have tons of questions for you, but your fan club really wants to hear about your background and why you've been brave enough to jump into the realm that is oil. So why did you jump into this ring? Can you tell, take us back to the beginning why oil and gas all the way? What's led you here and why policy? Sure. So um, I don't know that I necessarily chose it. I think it kind of chose me. All um, you influencers are the same. <laughs> but we am, trick you into yes. it. But I'm uh, super excited that it did. And I'm really, really happy to be here and in this position and especially in Colorado, right at the forefront of kind of our oil and gas, um, you know, challenges here. In the we nation are right leading now. the we are yeah. leading the front line yes. of the fight, really. Lots of opportunities here in Colorado. But um, I'm so just a little background. I'm originally from Colorado. I love this state. I grew up here. Uh, my family is here. Um, I went to high school here. And, you know, um, I'm kind of impatient by nature. You're type A? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Um, and I got really interested in journalism my senior year of high school. And I took huh. a couple classes at Metro State right here and uh, thought, yeah, you know, I really don't want to go to four years of school and then intern somewhere and I'd rather just jump right in uh, so I you know passed by an army recruiter at my <laughs> high school one day and I picked up a flyer and I saw broadcast journalism was an option and I signed up that is brave yeah well I don't know brave it was a little um, <laughs> unconventional maybe and a little uh, risky right I yeah. had my I don't have a military family so I didn't really have anybody that could mm -hmm. say you know this is a good idea or maybe slow down and think about this for a minute I thought what the heck let's <laughs> Let's do this. So I shipped again. Off, yeah. We chose you. <laughs> so I shipped off to basic training um, at Fort, Jack Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Ooh. and uh, hated every minute of it. Are Actually, you serious? No, I didn't. Um, it it's was South Carolina. Yeah. It's awesome. In August, though. Oh so no, no mosquitoes. Little, yeah, it was a little rough. Um, <laughs> you know, in the middle of it, it was obvious. It was basic training, right? Um, but looking back on it, it was the absolute best experience of my life, and I um, wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, I really enjoyed it, and that started my my military career with the United States Army. And um, from there, I went on, uh, served in South Korea. Um, I spent about seven years in Germany, and that was a mix of active duty and uh, civilian time with okay. the United States Army. And I um, just have a background in communications. The U.S. Army really afforded me the opportunity to get so much experience doing so many 
awesome different cool things so yeah. I was a, a radio DJ I did um, you know video broadcast stories um, as a civilian I was an editor of a newspaper I did- how have you not started a podcast yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I don't have a lot of time right now, but maybe someday I'll <laughs> look into that. Um, but I, I just, it was amazing. You mm-hmm. know, media relations, community relations. Um, I ended my career with the Army serving as a strategic communications advisor to the three-star general in charge of United States Army Europe in Germany. Damn. So it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking back on it, kind of in the middle of it, you don't really think like, I think with anything, right? When you're kind of in the middle of something, you don't really understand exactly. everything that's going Can't on. Can't see the any, forest despite the trees exactly. or something. Exactly. Um, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, that was really cool. I really enjoyed myself a lot. Um, and so. And then you were like, I have to go home. I have to, to go home. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So my, uh, I have two boys, 14 and five. My oldest son was born in South Korea. That um, is cool. Yeah. It's really awesome. He loves playing a game with his friends that two truths and a lie or a lie, two lies and a truth. I don't know, some teenage game, but he always uses the, I was born in South Korea to trick people. So uh-huh. I think cause he's blonde hair, blue eyed. You know, oh yeah tall guy um so he loves using that one because nobody believes he was born in South. it's gonna serve him well when he gets to college it is yeah absolutely <laughs> um so yeah i thought you know the the grandparents were a little tired of traveling you know 12 hour flights to to see their grandkids for you know a couple weeks at a time so i thought you know i miss colorado it's yeah time to go home i've been overseas for a long time so i moved my family back here in 2015. oh okay and it was my funny my husband's originally from california and he really wanted to get to california and i was like no way yeah. we have to go to colorado good call there thank you yeah, yeah i thought so too he also agrees with me now <laughs> as soon as we got here about a year in, he was like really glad as soon as you here. watch one evening of the news you're yeah. like thank god colorado <laughs> yes absolutely um but we, we're, we're loving it being back. Um, I did a couple years as the director of communications for the Department of Revenue for the state. Um, and then I moved on to serve with uh, another membership organization, which is CEO based called Colorado Concern. Mm-hmm. They're focused on just broad business policy issues in the state. And that's how I kind of got involved. Okay. With my initial involvement with oil and gas around uh, Proposition 112 in 2018. <laughs> And such um, an interesting time to start joining the ranks. It really was. And I did not have, you know, I obviously very bare bones knowledge of yeah. the oil and gas industry. But what I did know is, is during my time with the army, I, I traveled to places like Ukraine. I spent a ton of time in Ukraine, um, a, a ton of time in a lot of countries that do so not So you learned guerrilla warfare from yeah. the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Told you, you I'd work it in. <laughs> um, but, you know, these countries that don't, enjoy energy independence and i saw what that does to a country what that does to them um ruins their security ruins their health opportunities Mm -hmm. social living standards everything yes um and it was it was sad um and i spent a lot of time in these countries and i thought my goodness, I, uh, I'm i always proud to be an American, but yeah. look at what we've been able to do with innovation and technology, and for the first time, darn it, in 75 years, we've achieved our energy independence, and that is amazing. Huge deal. And so I got involved with 112 just through Colorado Concern and was a great you know advocate uh, for the industry during that time. Um, and what really scared me, I think, was... Um, you know, while that ballot initiative was being qualified, I was uh, took my son to his locker setup day at school, and uh, was just out on the lawn, and, and a petitioner approached me and asked me, um, 
hey, do you want your kids to be safe? And really? Said, That's well, their first of, question? Of course I do. And I knew right off the bat, I'm like, oh boy, I know what this, uh, I know what this ballot initiative is. <laughs> and I said, yes, of course I do. And she goes, well, then you really need to sign this. Propos- we need to get Proposition 112 on the ballot. And you, you Does she know what Proposition 112 was, though? Does she know what it meant? I don't think so, because I, of course, me being me and having the background and the, yeah. the, and the involvement with the, with the um, initiative that I did, you know, I asked a few questions. Well, what does this do to keep my kids mm-hmm. safe and and I, she didn't really right she had some memorized kind of talking yeah, points a one pager yeah mm-hmm. that if I pushed her on anything then of course it was you know I don't know or or exactly whatever. how dare you make me think outside yes. of my realm exactly um and so I said you know what um you know thank you I appreciate the time um that you've given me but I, I do want to keep my kids safe so I won't be signing that today yeah I appreciate it though um, was there a meltdown that ensued afterwards? No, not really. Damn. I think she was kind of glad to just get rid of me because I had taken <laughs> you were up asking a lot of questions. time. <laughs> yeah, and then I just didn't sign at the end How of it. How dare you so. think? <laughs> um, so and it, that really got me intrigued okay like how how did we get here exactly how did we get here yes and so fast forward uh maybe six months Uh um later of course we're right in the middle of 181 here in the state um and uh you know the former director here um left and took another position and there was a vacancy and i got a call and i had a cup of coffee and we tricked you into it (laughs) damn straight and that's the rest of the story and I was super excited still am to yeah. be here um, it is challenging um, but I love it I love the people I love the industry I've learned so much I know um, isn't that the best part of our industry how much you get like you get excited from the learning opportunities it's amazing absolutely. every sector of our industry is just freaking amazing it really is and every day I learn something new every day it's multiple new things every day um, and so that's that's kind of how I got here well, Well, we are damn glad you are here because your strategy, your communication skills, your background, your guerrilla warfare, we need you. One of the things that I have noticed, um, having sat in a few meetings and gone to a few of y'all's luncheons, is there does seem to be some confusion around the role of API Mm -hmm. for the nation as a whole and CPC here in Colorado. So can, just for the educational sake, can you give us a breakdown of what people should, could, and will expect from y'all? Yes, absolutely. So API, American Petroleum Institute, is an advocacy organization Mm -hmm. for the natural gas and oil industry. Uh, We started out though, we're 100 years old. Y'all are old as hell. Yes, from last year we celebrated in 2019, 100 years. um, And we were originally Where was my party invite? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I didn't get one either. I know, right? Um, originally established in 1919, really as a, a standard setting organization, right? Yes. We had companies get together and said, you know what, we, we really need, we want standards across the board that we want to meet to be responsible and to develop and produce. So um, the industry was demanding it. Absolutely. Being absolutely. responsible. Oh, yes. God, so proud. <laughs> Um, so that's how API originally started, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it's just grown since then into into many things. But we still maintain that standards setting um, initiative. I mean, now uh, we have over 600 standards, mm-hmm. um, you know, worldwide. You know, if you build a pipeline anywhere in this world, you're building it to API standards. Damn straight. If you pick up any quart of oil, 
you know, that you're going to put into your car and you look at the yep. back, there is an API print of approval on that mm-hmm. quart of oil that says this, it was made to API standards. And we're very, very proud of that. Um, and so I think, um, a lot of people do get a little confused because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about that standard setting piece, which we're really proud of, but we're also this great advocacy organization. Um, and we do a lot of, uh, education and information campaigns about trying to, um, explain to people, um, what our industry is, who we are, what we do on a daily basis and how we do it. We are safe. We are clean. Um, we are innovative. Per- yeah. We have new technology that we're developing almost on a daily basis. We are in your daily life. Yes. Connecting dots for people, which is exactly what I wanted to do coming into this role. I have that communications background and I knew the disconnect for me personally, right? Like I knew of oil and gas. I knew yeah. how it affected me, but not to the extent um, that it really does. I thought, oh my goodness, I did a panel one day and it was like toilet seats and lipstick and shoes and purses and just, <laughs> right. And I'm talking to my son. I'm like, oh my goodness, your Xbox, like you have that, you know? So it's just like this light. Every socialist on. dream to have yeah. an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, it just, it, it's tough because I, I, for whatever reason, people, we have lost that right? We haven't, we've lost the good story. We have, and we have not done historically a great job of, of connecting the dots for people. And I think, um, in my opinion, um, for decades, right, we, um, haven't done a good job of telling our story. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's because this industry is full of super smart people, engineers and scientists and geologists, environmentalists. We call them rock jocks and engineers, just so you you know. Absolutely. And I think when this rhetoric kind of started decades ago around fracking, I think we kind of just looked at it like that's that's really ridiculous. I'm not even going to. We ignored it. We did. Like, I'm not head down work ethic. We just power through. Yeah. Yeah, With any sort of answer, because it's so ridiculous. Exactly. And unfortunately, I think that kind of gave leeway for grassroots to sit there and start throwing a fit because they filled that information space. And we ne- we weren't necessarily there um, to provide the facts, the data, and mm-hmm. the science, and so it kind of turned into just this big, big miscommunication and misunderstanding, and yeah. it was missing the facts. And now, fast forward to today, and here we are, and <laughs> we all know that perceptions are reality. Well, and perception is nine tenths of the law. That's right. But Speaking of perception, do you know what you do with a toddler who is throwing a fit? You put them in the corner until they calm down. So we're going to get into it. But off of that notion, let's jump into the Colorado oil ecosystem. We have been voted least favorable to do business in, but we are the heart of the Rockies. We are the seventh largest producer, a huge contributor to the American security and American way of life. And yet we have a third tier governor who has had a blueprint for taking down the very substance that has lifted so many up. It is a study in hypocrisy. So what is API and CPC doing to combat that initiative? So, 
a few things there, right? I think um, I'm going to go back, uh, first of all, to that education information piece. We've launched two very large campaigns this year. One is called Energy for Progress, mm-hmm. um, which just shows our commitment, um, the um, what we've achieved in that space. We've been able to, through technology and innovation, increase production while simultaneously reducing emissions, which is amazing. Here in Colorado, um, that's really important because we've quadrupled our production here since yeah. about 2010, 2012. Isn't it cool? It's very cool. Um, while simultaneously cutting emissions by 55, 0, 50% mm-hmm. in that time frame. And that is something that we should be very proud of and we should celebrate. Unfortunately, in this state, that is continually excuse me, continuously attacked. Yeah, but here's the thing is that first they like you, then they trust you, then they listen to you. Somehow we miss the trust. I think they liked us in the beginning. They definitely like their fake snow and their ski lifts. Mm -hmm. So from that educational standpoint, how are you making sure you are not preaching and you are educating? Because people don't like numbers. People don't like math. And math is statistics. I'm sorry, but it governs our daily life and is the only universal language. So how are you meeting that? Absolutely. So coming into this position, what I saw with my involvement in 112 was that this this industry continuously falls back on economics, which in this state is huge, right? This industry is a cornerstone of Colorado's first-in-the-nation economy, which oh, is, yeah. is not something that we should not be proud of and celebrate and talk about. But I got the feeling that the, those numbers are huge. You know, what is what does $31 billion mean to it's monopoly a money. mom, you know, yeah. in Parker? You know, what <laughs> does 230,000 jobs mean to somebody that lives in a county that doesn't, their neighbors don't work in the industry because there's no production necessarily exactly. in that county. So what does a moratorium actually mean out where there are two wells per county? Absolutely. And so that that's one of the things that I saw um, before I took this position. And I found it very interesting, right, that we, we soundly defeated 112 in mm-hmm. 2018, but then we rolled right into 181, not three months later. Do you think people were just exhausted? I think they were exhausted. And I think we missed an opportunity to talk about what the folks, you know, holding signs behind Casey Becker when she introduced that piece of legislation and what those said. And it said safety first. It didn't say we need more jobs. We need more money. Mm -hmm. We need more revenue to pay for X, Y, and Z. It said safety first. And we didn't, we didn't talk about it. We don't talk about all of the things that we do to protect public health and public safety, to mitigate environmental impacts. We, we are not telling that story. Mm-hmm. We continuously fall back to, to the dollar figures and yeah. the job numbers. And again, those are hugely important, but we've got to pivot and we've got to change our narrative to address. We've got to speak the same language as those folks that oppose us. Correct. And address the concerns that they're raising head on and that's what we need to focus on addressing the concerns within their own neighborhood and how we as an industry are supporting said neighborhood what do you think about the new campaign just transition stupid ass name i'm sorry i just can't i think it's important um i think it's rude (laughs) i i think it is um for the folks that want to be in our industry and and you know, uh, from what I've met, the employees I've met and the tours I've taken, we, our employees are proud to work for this industry. I think if they want to make a transition to something mm-hmm. else, that's great. Um, they can do that. They have the resources and the training to do that. But I think in the way that it's being um, 
described and talked about as is a favor almost. Like, yeah, like this we're pitying won't you. Be here, so we we need to come in and provide this for you to make sure you're taken care of. And our employees are going. I'm very well taken care of in this industry. Mm-hmm. Will be around for a very long time. And so I think it is. Um, Again, it's important to have options, and for those that would like to transition or do something different, that's great. But I think the majority of our folks are very happy where they're at. They're proud to work for the industry, and they don't want to go anywhere. Well, let's break it down. So you have been told that fossil fuels, let's say coal and oil and gas, we are actively working to destroy your industry, something that an industry that employs tech-based backgrounds all the way up to engineering and advanced degrees. I mean, we cover every creed, color, race, religion across the spectrum, and it makes us better. So you have spent your whole life building, innovating, paying it forward, and now you are told to just transition to probably a worse job with less benefits, less security, but we're pitying you, we're being condescending, you should just transition out of it. I mean, how is that resonating? How are people not looking at this and saying, who the hell do you think you are? That is the study and hypocrisy. So I think they are. (laughs) Good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I definitely think they are. I think um, that's just not what they're focused on, though. I think they're focused on doing their job and you know, enjoying the industry that they've worked in for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important, right? I think the pride in our industry um, and the employees that know that they're well taken care of and well paid and do know that this industry will be around for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So what wins does API see for the future? Because it's a rough road ahead and we are the heart of the Rockies. So what happens here in Colorado does resonate all the way down to West Texas. So what what wins do you see for us? Where are we going to excel and where we as an industry can get that foot in the door? So I think right now we're very focused in Colorado on on finding stability for this industry in this state. And I think we've been lacking that for a long time. Can you explain what that means a little bit more? That that means um, coming to the table, having reasonable discussions around regulations that the industry can comply with that makes sense. That are actually technologically available. Yes, (laughs) that too. Um, And putting those regs on the books and moving forward. Yeah. And not seeing ballot initiatives every two years that are out to destroy the industry, not seeing a constant call for more regulations and, you know, go further and push harder um, on things that that, at the end of the day aren't really reaching the goals. Mm -hmm. I think the, the number one frustration that I've certainly seen here is that we have state agencies right now that are doing as much as they can, as fast as they can, with no real impact to emission reductions, Mm -hmm. um, but do come at a giant regulatory burden and a huge cost to the operators. It's fining for the sake of fining. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, They like our money, man. They don't want us to talk about it, but they love our money. 
So I think um, that is our goal, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, we are facing a year of um, about a dozen rulemakings, both at the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission and the Air Quality Control All spinoffs from 112 that did not pass, so they broke it out into different ways to get it passed and very, like what's gonna hit, uh, stick to the wall if you throw it, so to speak. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And I think what we feel is kind of the death by a thousand cuts, right? Where we Ugh. are seeing it's not. It's that not is a good a way to murder someone. Yes. It's not a 112, which obviously would have been a devastating blow mm-hmm. to our industry and a ban on um, all production. But we're seeing, you know, just these incremental things that are happening and all added up it's it's tough Mm -hmm. for our industry right now and so i think again like i said we're trying to sit down with regulators have reasonable discussions um i'm very hopeful that once we get through this rulemaking we will have some stability on the other side but that remains to be seen so are regulators the ones that you're sitting down and having conversations with and you as an industry we are taught to be professional and put forth a professional footprint that's not really happening from the other side. Are you seeing them willing to have the conversation or is there just a, this is what we want and this is what we're going to do and we have the people in place to make it happen right now? So I think um, as with with every industry, with every population, right, there's the extremes on all sides of things. I'm I working think, my way into it. Yeah, I think we, we are seeing that we're able to have some reasonable discussions with some stakeholders at That's the table. That's better than nothing. It is better than nothing. Um, however, we are seeing that the more extreme and un- unreasonable folks don't, don't come to the table with solutions. They don't come yeah. to the table with okay, we don't like what you're proposing, so we propose this. It's mm-hmm. just all or nothing. Yeah. Um, and that, that not only is that not helpful, but it takes away from the progress that we are trying to make here and the goal that we're trying to achieve. Um, and I think, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think the regulators are kind of feeling that way too because they – you know, are seeing that these folks are coming and it's just Mm -hmm. creating noise and it's not moving the ball down the field. Exactly. So do you think trade organizations, people in industry, are we loud enough? Because to your point, there are people that are out there, you know, they've got their pitchforks and their battle axes and they are making a ruckus. And since, like I said earlier, we have always been a professional industry. We have come to the table with the idea of calm, collective collaboration, and we're not being met with that. So we are seeing pop up around town, especially it being an election year, decade, what have you. Um, We are seeing some of those bra burners, those misfits, those disruptors rising through the ranks, and they are getting a following that actually means something, and it's galvanizing the crowds and invigorating. And when we need people to get out and vote and vote for oil and gas and what we have provided to this uh, this state, this country, this nation, do you think we need more of them? Do you think we need to get louder? So I think, um, unfortunately, we talked earlier about perceptions, right? And this industry has, um, unfortunately, a negative perception. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think tactics um, that the opposition uses aren't necessarily ones that are going to work the same way for us. Interesting. Um, I think they'll blow up in our face. Well, in some cases, yeah, unfortunately, I do. Um, I think it it will be used against us and it might not make us... 
it won't achieve exactly what we're looking to achieve. Okay. What I do think is that we need to empower our employees um, to get louder. Um, that's in talking to neighbors and talking to community, their communities and educating on more of a grassroots basis because what we're seeing is our opposition, that's where they excel, right? It's a grassroots yeah. sort of effort that swells and they're they're really good at it. They're really good at hosting town halls and providing social um, media. I can't even wrap my head yes. around why they do so well on social media. You know, and providing um, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, misinformation. They have the luxury of being able to speak without any consequences, right? Because energy prices are are low and particularly here in Colorado we enjoy some of the lowest energy costs in the nation True. right when they fill up their car at the pump we're at what 220 a gallon I, I know mean, that was a really good day yesterday yeah. <laughs> yes so it's this this for them this really consequence free environment that mm-hmm. they can say whatever they want because there aren't lines at the pump. Yeah. You know, we don't... Um, we, there's no embargo. A, yeah, there, <laughs> we don't pay an arm and a leg for our, to heat our homes. Exactly. Right now. Um, and so that, that, again, adds to the challenges that we have mm-hmm. um, as an industry to tell our story and to, um, you know, get our message out there to folks. So, Lynn, the old narratives don't seem to be resonating. We need to change our talk track. We are American security. We are environmental stewards. We are the environmental benchmark. And we have changed the lives of so many across the nation. I mean, really, because of oil and gas, the joke first world problems exist. And it's an amazing thing to live in a country like this. So what does API think when they think of changing the narrative, steering the narrative, trying a new tactic? What are y'all doing to help change the conversation but quite frankly, make the conversation resonate around the millennials and the younger generations, because I just found out the other day they're like two generations below millennials now, which is terrifying. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's it's what I've said. We need to focus on our innovation, our technology, what we've done to mitigate environmental impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really need to be focusing on, and again, Mike Summers this week talked about it. We it's our we are the problem solvers. We are part of the solution. And so we are we the engineers. Yes, that's right. We need to change that narrative and that perception um, to be just that. Like if you want to solve this large problem, you're going to need our industry at the table. And we are more than happy to come to the table and to have reasonable discussions and talk about innovation and technology and help solve the world's problems. Yeah, Um, call it solutioning. Absolutely, because we will be around in 100 years. So we are seeing a push around companies and some of these like big, you know, household name type brands, anything from Google, Excel, uh, Amazon's jumped on board. Even IBM, Microsoft is getting on. And they are pushing forth the initiative that they will only utilize products that have come from clean sources of energy or ethical sources of energy. However, if you break down their messaging, it is nothing short of greenwashing. They are only telling, and I know that's an 80s term, but I really like it. They are only telling a portion of the story. And what's worse is they are cutting oil and gas and fossil fuels, quite frankly, out of that portion of the story. They do not want 
to have the conversation of the full spectrum of impacts from beginning to end because of the perception around our industry. So what is API doing to combat that narrative and to make sure that when there is a discussion to be had, there is a full spectrum of a discussion? Because we are a supporting force. We are, call us our backup. So I think it's unfortunate, um, you know, all of the rhetoric we're seeing at the national level, right, especially in an election year. Um, it's really interesting it this is year. It is very interesting, and, you know, um, particularly with um, our Democratic candidates um, for 2020 and this, you know, this interesting just push to be, you know, further and further to the left and what what can you know just kind of a one-upping like yeah. okay well Laura, i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna oh my, i'm gonna you said it best they're one-upping a, each yeah, other yes. that's like the best way to put that they are and it's it's uh, it's concerning right to mm-hmm. say the very least that we're hearing day one uh, ban on fracking i mean and, we just need to shut up bernie yeah. <laughs> um and it, it worries me and i'm a democrat by the way full disclosure um, oh my God, yeah. you infiltrated. No, I'm kidding. I knew you were a Democrat. Don't worry. I only hold it mildly against you. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm very concerned with mm-hmm. that, you know, because that, that's big talk without a lot of fact in there. Exactly. Um, so what would that do? And I'm really excited that API, um, you know, very proactively got a study together and it's called America's Progress at Risk and shows what an actual fracking ban would do to the American economy. That's How awesome. Many jobs would be lost. Um, you know, <laughs> what products would go away because that resonates. Yes. You take away someone's car or their iPhone. I mean, honestly, my iPhone is never a foot away from me. I think that's the, the case with uh, a lot of people yeah. nowadays. Um, so I, I was really happy to see this study come out to show what the what the impacts would be, and they they did a really nice job where they really focused on five sectors, and that was how what would that do to household income, mm-hmm. energy costs, um, how would that affect the manufacturing industry, how would that affect agriculture, how would that affect national security? Big um, big topic these days. Absolutely, and that's what you know. Um, as an Army vet, I was really. Um, really disappointed that that wasn't more at the forefront of these discussions about, you know, these decisions that you're making around um, energy policy. How is that affecting our national security? And I feel like, especially on, um, you know, the democratic debates Mm -hmm. and and all of the rhetoric we're hearing, that was largely absent from those conversations. Well, it doesn't fit the narrative. Disappointing. Of course it doesn't. But it's a huge, huge issue. Yeah. Um, that you absolutely can't ignore. So that was that was very disappointing. Well, it's interesting because the majority of this nation are moderates and they're in the middle. And the best part about that is that they recognize bullshit. And I'm sorry to call it that, but when you just start one-upping each other for the sake of one-upping each other, the narrative goes haywire. So to your point, you being Democrat, me being Republican, what we really are, are we're in the middle and having a rational conversation. And that's what I would take away first and foremost from our conversation today is encouraging the rational conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So where are we headed? What is 2020 bringing to us? How are we surviving this like, 
I call it an industry pivot. <laughs> but, you know, it's been hard times in the oil and gas sector. Rumors are rampant. We're seeing the effects go all the way down to West Texas, which is the heart of the oil field across the entire world. And quite frankly, like the Rockies are taking a brutal beating right now. So where is the upside? Where is oil and gas headed? And when when does it get better? Man, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me, what, is, what does it look like in 2020? You do for this have a industry? following. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also have insider trading, which we expect. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, I, I wish I knew. I wish I could tell you. I think that is what is so complicated mm-hmm. here in Colorado is that the uncertainty and the instability is is just that yeah um with a dozen rulemakings i can honestly tell you i i have no idea what this industry's regulatory environment will look like at the end of 2020. i can tell you what i can hope for yes please right and that is um and i think i mentioned earlier that is stability for this industry coming out of these rulemakings it is reasonable regulations on the books that still allow necessary and reasonable I, I see, what, I can't, you, I see I, what you did there. I can't help yeah. myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it is um, us coming to the table and saying we're in this together and absolutely we want to reduce our footprint and reduce emissions. And here's how we are doing this already. And mm-hmm. this is what we have been doing. Yeah. Um, this is how we have been protecting public health and public safety. And this is what we will continue to be doing here in the state. You know, we are going into this year with already the strictest regulations on the books in the nation in that insane for our industry oh. um and again we we need the stability and we need the certainty and we are gonna give our very very best and all of everything we have to come to the table and try to get to that outcome here for this industry in the state so what does api need from industry what do you need from individuals how how can we help how can we support so I think engagement is key, right? With our member companies, with supporters of the oil and gas industry, with employees, engagement is is really important. And we need communication and dialogue, right? About, we need those stories, right? As a trade organization. like We need is, to put a face to oil and do. gas. We need to put a face to it and we need to tell those stories and we need to personalize it mm-hmm. for people. Um, and I think that Again, the engagement piece is so important, but it's also really tough right now, right? We are, we're fatigued in this state. The industry is. It's been lean and mean for a long time. It has, you know, coming, you know, 112 rolling right into 181, rolling right into the rulemakings that were prescribed by 181. That's their strategy. They just want to wear us out. We've got full jobs and we have to do this. Come on now. Absolutely. But you know what is super inspiring to me and what keeps me coming back every Hmm. day are our members and our employees that get these things thrown at them almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Criticized um, heavily for uh, the industry they work in. And they come to work every day. It is so inspiring with a smile on their face and know that they're doing a good job, that they're protecting public health and safety, they're mitigating environmental Mm -hmm. impacts, all while providing the energy that America demands and at an affordable price. And it is, it's amazing and it's inspiring and we just need to, that's the mentality we're going to keep. Well, when you replace your bloodstream with coffee, that's all you get is positivity. (laughs) Well, Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time today. Before I let you go, what is a book, podcast, or other resource that you have found value that you would recommend paying forward? 
Oh, goodness. Um, that cannot be the hardest question. Come on oh, now. <laughs> it is. You're going to have to give me a minute now. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> so you know what I would say? Uh, just a book that I've read that would um, that was very, very beneficial for me. Um, doesn't have anything to do with the industry, but has helped me just yeah. as a professional, as, an, as a woman, is Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. That I've heard such good things about that. It's a it's an amazing book. My husband actually bought it for me. Gosh, I want to say four or five years ago now, um, and it's really enlightening in a. It's it's interesting that you you open it up and it's not like you read it and you're it's an epiphany that it's like oh wow I yeah. I never thought of that. It's a kind of validation for women. You know, you're reading through and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that absolutely. That's how I've been in that situation. That's totally. I love being to validated. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> me too. Um, and so I would say I would highly recommend that book, especially okay. for women. Um, it's it's inspiring and it's and it's validating mm-hmm. and it's just a really good read. That's awesome. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for being on the forefront of this fight that is oil and gas. I know with people like you in the ranks, we will most definitely come out for the better. So again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for all you do. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.